Thank you, Frank, for leading us in that time of communion. Well, today we continue our new message series called You Asked For It. Uh, One by one, we're tackling some of your biggest questions about God, the Bible, or our faith. And last week we took a vote, and uh, just as I promised, today I'll be tackling the question that came in first place in your voting. We'll get to that in just a moment, but right now I need your help once again. I need to know what question you'd like me to tackle next Sunday, and so we've got three questions that have created a little bit of some buzz online over the last couple weeks. I'm going to give you these three questions, and you vote for number one, number two, or number three. If you're watching this message on live.greaterimpact.cc, just send us one, two, or three in the comment line. Uh, Same thing if you're watching this on Facebook, or if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, simply contact by text one of those prayer counselors and just type in one, two, or three. So here are the three questions. Question number one, how could I know God's will for my life? If you like that question, just type in number one. Question number two, is suicide an unforgivable sin? And question number three, could you explain the Trinity? So, God's will for my life, suicide, or explain the Trinity. Which one do you like? One, two, or three. Ready, set, go. Thanks to everyone who voted. Uh, We will tackle the question that came in first place next Sunday. And today we're going to tackle the question that came in first place in last week's voting. And that question is this. Has the Great Tribulation begun? Dun, dun, dun. Has the Great Tribulation begun? So that's what we're going to tackle today. I encourage you to have your Bibles with you. Uh, I always uh, do my due diligence to make sure I'm teaching as accurately as I know how from God's Word. Uh, But your job is to test what I say with Scripture to make sure I'm not just making this stuff up. And so I encourage you to have your Bibles handy. I'd like you to turn to two different places and be ready to read along with me in a little bit, in a a few minutes. Uh, The first of those will be Matthew chapter 24. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, so Matthew 24. Hold your place there and then also turn to the second place, which will be Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Revelation is the last book. Uh, in the New Testament. And so first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24, last book in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I want to make sure we all understand what this word tribulation means, because honestly, tribulation is not a word uh, that we use every day in our everyday conversations. And so this word tribulation uh, could be defined as a great trouble or cause of suffering, It is a hardship, it is an affliction, a tragedy, a trauma, a misery. And so that's what this word tribulation means. And so let me ask you, have you ever experienced something that caused you suffering? Our hands would shoot up, wouldn't they? Absolutely, all of us have, right? Let me ask you, have you ever gone through a hardship? Once again, we raise our hands, right? We've all gone through hardships. Have you ever experienced trauma or a time of misery? Once again, yes, we all have. 
We've all experienced some suffering. We've gone through hardships. We've gone through times of misery. Last Sunday, I shared with you uh, one of the periods of difficulty that my wife Christine and I went through. About 17 years ago, I shared with you that story of how we lost our second child uh, through a miscarriage. And that was traumatic for both of us. It was a difficult, difficult time in our lives. Uh, But like you, we've experienced many other times of trouble and suffering over the years. Uh, We've experienced deaths in our family. Uh, My parents divorced in 2010, and then they're remarried two years later. Uh, Back in 2015, my youngest daughter uh, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. That was traumatic for us, uh, knowing that she was going to be insulin dependent uh, for the rest of her life unless God healed her or they came up with some cure. Uh, Back in uh, 2018, my dad had a major stroke that he still hasn't recovered from. And so we've, along the the, the line in our marriage, had all sorts of these troubles and difficulties and periods of suffering, Uh, not to mention the times we dealt with financial stresses, right? And I'm sure that many of you can relate. You, like us, have gone through these times of tribulations. Uh, You've had the difficulties in your family, the, the health issues. If I asked you, you know, to check off the boxes of these periods of tribulation you've had, uh, if I asked you, have you had health troubles, you'd probably check that box, wouldn't you? Health problems? Check. How about uh, divorce in your family? Many of you would say, check. How about uh, family members and friends passing away? Check. How about financial difficulties? Double check, right? We've all had those. And so all of us have gone through periods of tribulation. We've all dealt with tribulations in our lifetimes. And so this shouldn't surprise us because Jesus says in John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So so Jesus is a, a straight shooter. You know, he doesn't beat around the bush here. He says, "You know what? You're going to have tribulations during your lifetime. It's just part of living on planet Earth. You're going to have tribulations. In this world, he, he says, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have tribulations. Notice he didn't mention in this world, uh, you might have trouble. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say in this world, you probably will have tribulations. No, he says in this world, you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, if today's question was, has tribulation begun? The answer would be, yes, absolutely. Has tribulation begun? Absolutely. In fact, tribulation in this world began the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned for the first time. The moment they sinned, tribulation entered the world. Ever since sin entered God's perfect world, every single human being who has ever lived has experienced some form of tribulation. So we've been dealing with tribulations in one form or another our entire lives. But today's question isn't, has tribulation begun? Because the answer to that obviously is yes. Today's question is, has the great tribulation begun? And so let's make sure we all understand what the Great Tribulation is. That term, Great Tribulation, is mentioned twice in the pages of Scripture. 
It's found in Matthew 24, verse 21. It's also found in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. It's also called by a couple different names in the pages of Scripture. It's called uh, the great day of God's wrath in Revelation 6.17. It's called, in Jeremiah 37, the time of Jacob's trouble. And so this great tribulation is referred to by one name or another four different times in Scripture, and there's dozens of other times that it is described, it's just not named. And so we find throughout the pages of Scripture, Old and New Testament, the great tribulation is talked about and described. So what is it? What is the Great Tribulation? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. The Great Tribulation, I think, is summarized best in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. I asked you to turn there in your Bibles a few moments ago. Uh, look at what it says there in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. And Jesus tells us there in Matthew 24, For then there will be great tribulation, such as not, has not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So Jesus gives this quick summary here in Matthew 24 of what the great tribulation is. Uh, within these two verses, Jesus really reveals three truths about the Great Tribulation that are reinforced uh, by many other scriptures in both the Old and New Testament. So quickly, let me share those with you. Truth number one, during the Great Tribulation, people across the globe will suffer and experience suffering in the, that's the greatest level of human suffering in human history. Okay, so I didn't say that too well. Let me say it a little more clearly. During the Great Tribulation, people across the globe will experience the greatest suffering in human history. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Truth number two, there will be mass casualties that far surpass body counts of previous wars, natural disasters, and pandemics. And then truth number three, it will take place during a fixed time frame of seven years. Those seven years are called out in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 27. So it will be a seven-year time frame, and God will shorten the total length of how long the Great Tribulation could be so that some followers of Christ can survive. As Jesus says there in Matthew 24, 22, if God didn't have this great tribulation in a fixed time frame, if it continued on beyond that seven years, no one on earth would survive because it's going to be that bad. And so with these three truths in mind, particularly uh, truths one and two, uh, let's see if we can put 2020 to the test. Our time, our day and age, let's put it to the test are we living in the Great Tribulation? Has the Great Tribulation already begun? Are people across the globe experiencing the greatest suffering and death in human history? Well, let's look at some of these uh, different ways that there will be suffering and death brought about during the Great Tribulation and look, at, look and see how 2020 holds up to that description in the pages of Scripture. So let's first look at wars and conflicts. Well, there are a lot of wars and conflicts in our world today, aren't there? 
We know that there are wars right now going on uh, in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Currently, there's a civil war taking place in Yemen, and there's a number of other conflicts in Nigeria, in uh, Syria, other places uh, throughout Africa and the Middle East. So there's a lot of wars and conflicts going on right now. What about pandemics? Obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic is one of the worst uh, disease pandemics that we've dealt with in modern history. And so it's one of the worst, certainly, at least in the last few years uh, internationally. Over 3 million people worldwide have contracted COVID-19, and there have been almost 200,000 people that have died uh, because of COVID-19. So definitely, as far as pandemics go, this one is wreaking havoc around the world. Uh, what about famine and starvation? Well, last year, around 130 million people around the world suffered from food shortages. So, so keep that number in mind. 130 million people suffered from some form of food shortage in 2019. Uh, because of recent wars, particularly in the Middle East and in uh, Eastern Africa, and also because of uh, locust plagues in Eastern Africa and drought and this coronavirus epidemic, because of those things, uh, experts estimate that the number of people on planet Earth who will be struggling with some form of starvation will double this year. It'll go from 130 million in 2019 to some 265 million by the end of 2020. And so from the standpoint of famine and starvation, definitely uh, this is not a good year. What about natural disasters? Well, without a doubt, uh, there have been some terrible natural disasters in recent months. There have been windstorms in Europe. There have been uh, flooding and mudslides in Brazil. There have been earthquakes in Iran and Turkey. There's been locust infestations, as I mentioned, in East Africa. And just uh, closer to home, two weeks ago on Easter Sunday, remember we had two back-to-back uh, -back level five, category five uh, tornadoes sweep through Mississippi and claimed at least a dozen lives. And so even close to home, we've had some terrible natural disasters recently. So we look at all of these and would say without a doubt there is a whole lot of suffering and death around the world right now. Wouldn't you agree? There's been a lot of suffering and death in recent weeks and in recent months. But we need to ask ourselves, is this suffering and death of biblical proportions? Is the suffering and death of a level described about the great tribulation in the, in the pages of Scripture? Is this the greatest level of suffering and death in the history of the world? And the honest answer is no. No, it's not. It's not the greatest level of suffering and death in the history of the world. After reading Jesus' description of the Great Tribulation in Matthew 24, a pastor and Bible commentator, Adrian Rogers, uh, had this to say. He wrote, The Lord Jesus Christ is truth incarnate. He's not given to exaggeration, yet he speaks of a time so terrifying, so horrible, that nothing compares to it. He's not speaking of those general trials and tribulations that all of us have. This is a unique time. Seven years of hell on earth. There is nothing like it in all history, secular or biblical. Revelation chapters 6 through 19 describe that terrible time of the great tribulation. Well, that's well said. 
The Bible describes the Great Tribulation as a seven-year period of hell on earth. And we would be honest when we would say the coronavirus is really, really bad. It may end up claiming the lives of half a million people around the world. That's terrible. That's a huge body count. But compared to what is described in Revelation about the plagues and pandemics that will come during the Great Tribulation, honestly, the coronavirus pandemic is chump change compared to what is described about pandemics during the Great Tribulation. Let me give you an example. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, Revelation 6, verse 8, it says this, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. By the way, there are some Christians out there uh, that in recent weeks have been saying that we are in the Great Tribulation and COVID-19 is the pale horse of Revelation chapter 6. Well, you know, that's a nice theory, but what is taking place today doesn't line up with what's described here in Revelation 6.8. Once again, it says, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, by famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. So I want you to try to to wrap your mind around what that verse is saying. It's saying that one quarter of the world's population is eliminated through plague, through these other disasters, through wild animals. What did it say there? Uh, Sword, famine, plague, and beasts, uh, wild beasts of the earth. So think about this. The world's population right now, if we were to take one quarter of the population, that would be about two billion people. So so what it's saying here in this verse is during the Great Tribulation, uh, when the sword comes and when the plagues come and when those wild beasts attack, some two billion people, if the population during the time of the Great Tribulation is roughly what it is today, some two billion people are going to be wiped out. So think about this. That's six times the population of the entire United States. Six times. That number is 4,000 times greater than the estimated death toll of COVID-19. So to put it another way, for every one person that dies of coronavirus during the Great Tribulation, some 4,000 will die during what is described in this one part of the Tribulation in this one verse in Revelation. And this destruction of a quarter of the earth through sword and famine and plague and wild beasts is only one of God's seven seal judgments. And that's not even getting to the seven trumpet judgments that come after that. And after those trumpet judgments, the seven bowl judgments, these 21 different judgments are described in Revelation uh, chapters uh, 4 through 19. And so this verse I just read for you is just one of those 21. So all that to say, this is going to be an unprecedented level of suffering and death during the Great Tribulation. In uh, Matthew twenty four twenty two. Jesus says for a reason, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. So as you can see, the suffering in our world today is bad. I'm not downplaying the suffering that people are dealing with around the world. It's bad. But compared to the Great Tribulation, it isn't nearly as bad 
as it's going to get. There are certain places in the world today that feel like hell on earth, but during the Great Tribulation, all places on the planet are going to feel like hell on earth. The Great Tribulation is closer than it's ever been, but it's not here yet. Now, many people talk about the signs of the Great Tribulation beginning. Uh, One of the most common things I've heard over the years is uh, reiterating what Jesus uh, says, even here in Matthew 24, that there are going to be wars and rumor of wars. Uh, That's something that I would guess most Christians have heard and are familiar with. When there are wars and rumors of wars, we know that the time of the Great Tribulation is drawing nigh. I want to give you three biblical signs that the Great Tribulation is about to begin uh, that many Christians are not aware of. These are three of the signs. They're not the only signs, but three of the signs called out in Scripture that if you see these three things taking place, you know that the Great Tribulation is going to start very, very soon. And so the first of those signs given to us is in Daniel 9.27. And that first sign is, Many nations will come together and make a seven-year treaty with Israel. That's in Daniel 9.27. Daniel says in that verse, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Uh, We're pretty certain that one seven refers to one seven-year period. That's why we believe the Great Tribulation is a seven-year period fixed periods right there in Daniel 9:27. So once again he says he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven in the middle of the seven, in other words, three and a half years into that great tribulation, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and on a wing of the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, it's referring to the Antichrist, it's referring to this abomination that causes desolation, a a complete desecration of God's temple there in Jerusalem. We don't have time to get into that today. But the main thing I want you to pull from Daniel 9.27 is, uh, God does make it clear that there will be this treaty between a number of nations and Israel. And it's a treaty that will seem really, really good. Everybody will be playing all nicey-nice with Israel. Sometimes we see little hints of that today. Certain nations try to play nicey-nice with Israel, but we come to find out it's all a charade. Much the same thing will happen here at the start of the Great Tribulation. It will just be on a much larger scale. Many nations will play nicey-nice with Israel, but they will break that treaty halfway through uh, that period of the Great Tribulation. So when we interpret this verse in light of Matthew 24 and in light of Revelation 11 and Revelation 13, we can be pretty sure that the beginning of the Great Tribulation, at that time, nations from around the world will come together, make this treaty with Israel, and the treaty will be broken at the three and a half year mark halfway through that Great Tribulation. Well, this is the first sign to look for, nations of the world uniting under one leader to make a seven-year treaty uh, with Israel. I didn't mention that one leader part earlier, but uh, that is in all likelihood part of this ingredient. That one key world leader will encourage many nations to make a treaty with Israel. And that one world leader will end up being the one to initiate the breaking of that treaty halfway through the Great Tribulation. Okay, so that's the first sign to look for, uh, that nations come together, play nicey-nice, and make a treaty uh, with Israel, particularly under the headship 
of one world leader. Uh, sign number two, God's two witnesses will arise. They will prophesy and perform amazing signs and miracles, much like those that Moses performed in Egypt. We read about this in Revelation 11, verses 3 through 6, and uh, we'll look at that in, in just a moment here. So, two witnesses will arise. I want you to, to see for yourself there in the pages of your Bible, this is the second passage I asked you to turn to earlier. Uh, Revelation chapter 11 talks about the two witnesses, starting in verse 3. It says, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. Guess how that equates to years. 1260 days, those of you who are good at math, that's three and a half years. The halfway mark of that seven year tribulation period. So God says they will prophesy for 1260 days, three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying, and they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So there are definitely followers of Jesus Christ today who God works through to prophesy. I don't doubt that. There are definitely followers of Christ today who God works through to perform miracles. Some people, some Christians' prayers for physical healing work much faster and more consistently than my own prayers for people's healing. And so I don't doubt that God has gifted, gifted certain Christians today with gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing. Now, once the video camera turns on and guys say they have the gift of healing, I become a little bit more suspicious. But God definitely gifts people in those ways, I believe, today. But there's a marked difference here with these two witnesses called out and described in Revelation chapter 11. According to Matthew 4 verse 5, one of these two witnesses will be Elijah the prophet. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I have not seen Elijah on TV recently. Have you? Have you seen Elijah lately? I, I haven't either. So when people say that uh, such and such a uh, pastor, uh, he's one of the two witnesses, or such and such evangelist, uh, he's one of the two witnesses, uh, don't believe it. Uh, Joel Olstein is not one of the two witnesses from Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Beth Moore is not one of the two witnesses from Revelation 11. Neither is Charles Stanley or Greg Laurie or Franklin Graham. We have not yet seen Elijah arise with one other witness to do what's described here in Revelation chapter 11. And on a related subject, uh, we haven't seen the Antichrist arise either. Uh, many people over the years have said that guy is the Antichrist or that girl is the Antichrist. Back in the 1930s and 40s, many people, many Christians believed that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. Well, he's been uh, dead and buried for many, many decades. No, Adolf Hitler was not the Antichrist. And neither is Vladimir Putin, neither is uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, neither is Barack Obama or President Trump. They are not the Antichrist. We haven't seen the Antichrist arise yet. Some people speculate, maybe it's not a world leader, maybe it's Bill Gates. Well, it ain't Bill Gates either. Okay, we haven't seen the two witnesses arise yet. We haven't seen the Antichrist arise yet. 
And so that's the second sign uh, that the great tribulation is about to begin. You see those two witnesses arise and begin uh, their active ministry. Sign number three. God will pour out his Holy Spirit on all people. All nations on earth will hear the gospel and millions of people will be saved. This is my favorite of the three signs of the great tribulation that we're going to address this morning. I love this one. God will pour out his Holy Spirit on all people, all nations on earth will hear the gospel, and millions of people will be saved. If you are quick at turning in your Bibles to a new passage, I encourage you to turn back to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 describes the first day of the Christian church, uh, about uh, 50 days after Jesus ascended, uh, excuse me, about 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, on the first day of the church, uh, he's, uh, Peter is preaching and he's reading from the prophecy of the Old Testament book of Joel. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Uh, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good? I love that that prophecy there uh, from Joel that Peter shares there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It's a great passage. Matthew 24, verse 14, uh, Jesus says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If you're still there in your Bibles in Matthew 24, look at it and see for yourself. Right there in verse 14 of Matthew 24, Jesus gives us that promise that the gospel will be shared with every people group on earth before that great tribulation begins and before uh, Jesus raptures his church. When Christians discuss the the coming great tribulation, our tendency is to focus on the unpleasant signs that the tribulation is about to begin. We focus on the, the, the fire and the billows of smoke. But we need to also focus on these very positive, very encouraging signs that the great tribulation is at hand. You see, when Jesus' return is close... And the great tribulation is about to begin. We will experience, I believe, the greatest revival in the history of the world. God's Spirit will be poured out on the church around the world, especially on young people. Did you catch that in Acts chapter 2 here, that Joel prophecy? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. What an awesome revival that's going to be when God gets a hold of the hearts of teenagers and the hearts of young adults and sets them on fire with his Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. Even the old men will dream dreams. And so we'll have old men and women coming out of the convalescent home, uh, coming out of the retirement communities and they will be lifting up the name of Jesus and prophesying. They'll be dreaming dreams uh, like they've never dreamed before. It's going to be an amazing time of revival just shy of when that great tribulation begins. It's going to be so, so great. And it says, as I mentioned there in Matthew 24, Jesus himself says that the whole world 
is going to get to hear the gospel. Every people group will get to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's really exciting. I want you to think about this. Uh, We'll put it on the screen, a few statistics for you. Uh, There are 7,363 languages spoken on the planet today. Think about that. 7,363 languages are spoken in the world. But the Bible has only been completely translated into 698 of those 7,300 languages. Uh, There are an additional 2,700 human languages that have at least part of the Bible, but that leaves us with 3,969 languages that as we speak don't have any scriptures in their language. That's sad. It's hard to wrap our minds around this, that in the year 2020, one in five people on the planet don't have a Bible in their native tongue. Now, thankfully, uh, it's not one in five people that don't have access to any scripture. Fortunately, uh, most of those that don't have scriptures in their native tongue are bilingual. And so at least they can read some scriptures in one of the other languages that they have some knowledge of. So that's a blessing. But a whopping 350 million people on the planet, mostly in India and in China and sub-Saharan Africa and Papua New Guinea, they can only speak a language that doesn't have a Bible. So think about that. 350 million people have no access to any scriptures. But there is good news. Right now, there are thousands of missionaries around the world with training in linguistics, working hard to translate at least part of the New Testament into these unreached 3,900 languages within the next 15 years. Many believe that by the year 2035, every single human language on earth will have at least part of the scriptures translated into their native tongue. That's an amazing thing. So a worldwide revival is closer than it's ever been. We are closer than we've ever been to reaching every single language on earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single tribe, every nation on earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, we are not in the great tribulation yet, but we are closer than we've ever been. And I encourage you Christians to be vigilant, to do what Jesus Christ has asked us to do, to watch and to pray, because the time is drawing nine. We're closer than we've ever been. So keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Be paying attention for those three signs that we've talked about today. That first sign, many nations coming together to play nicey-nice with Israel and making a treaty, particularly if those nations are led by one key world leader. Sign number two, God's two witnesses arising that are able to prophesy and perform signs and wonders the likes of which we have never seen in our lifetimes. And sign number three, God pouring out his Holy Spirit on people around the world, young and old, and the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrating every tribe, every nation, every language on planet earth. I'm looking forward to what happens when Jesus Christ is able to reach every nation on earth. I believe we will experience a revival, the likes of which this world has never seen. I can't wait to see how many hundreds of millions of people turn to Jesus Christ before that great tribulation begins. Well, I have uh, five questions 
that I want to uh, ask you today. Uh, these are five questions that will uh, help uh, you determine if you were grasping and taking in what we talked about today in, in today's message. Uh, I probably should have given a disclaimer. Uh, when it comes to end times prophecies, uh, this is, is not an easy subject for me. I have as many, if not more, questions than you do, and I've tried today to present the Word of God in regard to end times prophecy as accurately as I know how, uh, but I fully understand that uh, some of my interpretations may not be exactly right, but I tried hard. Hopefully, uh, what I presented with you today uh, is accurate before God and uh, before you as well. So five questions to see if you are paying attention to today's message. Number one, what is another word for tribulation? What is another word for tribulation? Question number two, what is the difference between everyday tribulations and the great tribulation? What's the difference? What's the difference? Question number three, according to Daniel 9 verse 27, how many years will the Great Tribulation last? According to Daniel 9.27, how long will the Great Tribulation last? Question number four. In today's message, I highlighted three signs that the Great Tribulation is beginning. Okay, When the Great Tribulation is about to begin, what are three signs that it is drawing nigh? List two of them. Okay, See if you can remember two of those three uh, signs, three of those indications that the Great Tribulation is about to begin. And then question number five, what important task has Jesus given to the church that must be accomplished before Jesus returns to take us home to heaven? What important task has he given us that must be completed before we get to be raptured and taken to heaven? Well, let's see how you did on those five questions. Number one, what is another word for tribulation? Uh, there are a lot of synonyms you could have mentioned. Suffering, trouble, hardship, misery, all good answers. Those are all synonyms of tribulation. Suffering, trouble, hardship, and misery. Question number two, what is the difference between everyday tribulations and the great tribulation? Well, the great tribulation will be the greatest suffering and death in the history of the world. And so it's a matter of scale. It's much larger, uh, it's certainly more international, and much more severe than any suffering or death that this world has experienced up to this point. Uh, question number three, according to Daniel 9.27, how many years uh, will the Great Tribulation last? And the answer, everyone should know this, seven years. It's a seven-year tribulation. Question number four. In today's message, I highlighted three signs that the Great Tribulation is beginning. I'll list two of those signs. Uh, number one, there'll be a treaty made with Israel, made by many different nations around the world. They'll be playing nicey-nice. Question number, or, uh, number two, the second sign of the Tribulation drawing nigh is that there will be these two witnesses who will arise and they will prophesy and perform miraculous signs and wonders and miracles. And then number three, worldwide revival. So hopefully you remembered at least two of those. A treaty with Israel, two witnesses arising, and worldwide revival. And then number five, what important task has Jesus given to the church that must be accomplished before Jesus returns to take us to heaven? And hopefully you all got this one right. We have to reach 
every people group on earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, it is so important that we support worldwide missions. You and I can't personally go to all these countries around the world, but there's a reason that we support Joel Kopong in Burma as he penetrates several countries in and around Burma with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important that we support the work uh, that goes on around the world of missionaries either translating scriptures into these languages that have yet not yet to be reached. Uh, it's so important that we do our very best uh, to spread the gospel to every people group on earth. Uh, we are going like gangbusters, many uh, Christians are around the world, uh, to finish the task, to finish the job that Jesus has called us to do, because that's something that must be done before Jesus comes to take us home to heaven. God bless you, church. I want to lead you in a word of prayer. Uh, we've got still a few minutes left in our service, a few uh, exciting things for you. And so, uh, first of all, I do want to lead you in a prayer, uh, particularly uh, those of you who are going through a time of difficulty, a time of tribulation. Uh, I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you don't make us play the guessing game. You may not have given us all the details about the coming of the Great Tribulation, but you've given us a lot of details. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you have spared us the worst pandemics uh, in our lifetimes. Thank you, Lord, that you have spared us, uh, Lord, from the, the worst possible natural disasters. Thank you, Lord, uh, for protecting us from the cosmic disturbances uh, stars falling from the sky, stars going dark that are described in the book of Revelation. Thank you, Lord, for sparing us uh, that agony and that pain. Lord, the great tribulation just seems so horrible. And Lord, we wouldn't wish that upon our worst enemy. So Lord, I thank you for sparing us from that uh, during our lifetimes. But Lord, we pray that you would prepare us for what is ahead. Uh, Lord, some Christians believe that you will rapture us and take us to heaven before the great tribulation begins. Lord, if that is true, we want to be ready to be taken from this earth and taken to heaven. Lord, we want to watch and pray and be ready. Uh, Lord, other Christians believe that we as Christians will have to experience at least part of that great seven-year tribulation. Uh, Lord, if that's true, we want to be ready for what's coming during that tribulation. We want to be ready to stand firm in our faith. We want to be ready, O oh God, to courageous, courageously and, and boldly stand for you uh, despite uh, the uh, difficulties and the tribulations that come. Lord, I pray that we would watch and pray. God, I pray for those right now going through difficulties. Lord, be with those who are grieving the loss of, of loved ones right now. Bring them peace and healing. Lord, bring peace and healing to Maryland. Bring peace and healing, Lord, to Adriana. Uh, bring peace and healing, Lord, to Sherry and, uh, Lord, others who have lost loved ones in recent months. Father, I pray for those that are in hospitals right now. Uh, Eric, I know, has been in the hospital over the last two and a half weeks. Lord, bring him healing in Jesus' name. Bring healing to Ben, O God, as he deals with cancer. Have mercy on him, O God. Have mercy on him. Lord, I pray for uh, others dealing with cancer, others dealing with disease or illness. Bring them comfort and relief in Jesus' name and help them to boldly stand for you. And Lord, finally, I pray for those 
Lord, who are uh, not sure if they were to die today that they would go to heaven. Lord, I pray that there would be decisions made for Jesus Christ right now during this service. Lord, that people would come to you that do not know you as Lord and Savior and would come to you humbly and say, Lord, I admit to you that I am a sinner. Please, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. And today, Lord, I choose to follow you as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. Lord, I pray that people right now would believe in you and make that decision choosing to follow you from this day forward. May they turn from their sin in repentance and make that decision, O God, to be baptized, making it clear to the world making it clear to you and the angels in heaven that they are serious about this decision. And so just like you said, they are going to be baptized, letting their old life be buried and letting their new life be raised to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, I ask all these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you've made that decision today, to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, please do something for me. Uh, would you send a quick message to us on live.greaterimpact.cc or on Facebook? Or if you're watching on YouTube, we've got the numbers of the prayer counselors right there at the bottom of your screen. Uh, would you just give us a quick call or text? Give us a quick message. Let us know that you've made that decision. And we would love to talk with you and pray with you about it. And if you are ready to be baptized, making it clear, to God, the angels, and anyone who's watching, I am serious about this decision. I am following Jesus Christ from this point forward. No more playing around. I'm ready to do it. If you're ready to be baptized, please reach out to us, and we will help you uh, be baptized as soon as possible. Uh, just last Sunday, we had a message come to us uh, from one of our families in the church letting us know that their daughter, Emma, was ready to be baptized. She was ready to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so we made arrangements, and last Sunday afternoon, uh, Emma came over to my house, and we baptized her uh, in the swimming pool, and we did get that on video. Uh, if you need to make that decision that Emma made last week, we encourage you to reach out to us right now as we share with you this wonderful video of Emma getting baptized.